You're listening to A Sure Hope with Pastor Dave Shank of Calvary Chapel, Cape May in Cape May, New Jersey. Join us as Pastor Dave teaches verse by verse through God's Word. was Jesus's finish line, but he had to go to the cross to get back to the Father. We need to know where our finish line is, and we need to focus on it. Paul, writing to the beloved Philippians in chapter 3, verse 13 and 14, says, Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead, I press toward the goal for the prize of the upper call of God in Christ Jesus. Paul knew where he was going. Do you ever question your life? Sometimes it feels like we go about our business not being concerned with any bigger picture. But today, Pastor Dave reminds us of Paul and his mission, to live as Christ, to die as gain. When you find out who you are in Christ, then the big picture is the only one that matters. Now here's Pastor Dave in the book of John chapter four as he continues his message. Know who you are, know where you're going. need to know who we are in the midst of everything you're going through God loves you and he does know the thoughts he has for you have you ever wondered about the thoughts of God scripture says it's more than a thousand seas and thousand sands in the seas God thinks nothing but good things towards you but you might ask what is the assurance of God's love towards us today that's Old Testament Dave Well, God is the same yesterday, today, and forever, and we can glean on what he promised Israel. We can glean on that because now we're his chosen people. But I'm here to tell you that there is no greater proof of God's love for you than a cruel, gnarly, wooden cross. If you need more proof of God's love for you, well, then I don't know if I can help you. A cross meant to kill is our victory. A cross, a wooden cross, is the greatest example of God's love ever. And if we accept Jesus' sacrifice on that cross, if we accept that, he clearly tells us in John 1, 12, as many as received him. Who? Jesus. As many as received Jesus, to them he gave the right to become children of God. To those who believe in his name, who were born not of blood, nor of the flesh, not of the will of man, but of God. Wow. That's how much God loves you. That's how much God loves you. We need to be assured of who we are in Christ. When you became born again, do you realize that something transpired? Do you realize that something happened when you said that prayer, when you believed with all your heart? And confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you believed in your heart that God raised him from the dead. Do you know something really happened then? Something transpired? Well, if you don't, I'm going to tell you. Paul writing to the Galatian church. He says these incredible words. These incredible words in Galatians 2 verse 20. Paul writing, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Wow. Wow. You realize what transpired? 
Paul says, I'm living a new life now. My old life was predicated upon the works of the law. My old life was self-centered. My old life was filled with strife, envy, jealousy, crazy spiritual things. But it's no longer I. And what a glorious day when I can stand here and say, it's no longer Dave. It's no longer I. Because now my life is centered around Jesus Christ. Not only is it centered around Jesus Christ, it is entirely in Jesus Christ, for Christ is my life. Paul said, for me to live is Christ, to die is gain. For me to die and get out of the way and become this new person in Jesus Christ is such gain for me. He's the center of my life. I'm no longer on the throne. Been there, done that, got the things on my behind to prove it. I'm no longer on the throne. He is. He's enthroned in my heart. He's my life. I'm no longer to seek to please myself. I seek only to please him. And so I'm not the man that I used to be. That man has died. He's been crucified with Christ. Do you see what we're getting at here? We need to have that knowledge of what took place on that cross. We need to have that knowledge in us. We need to be aware of who we are in Christ. It needs to become our life. It needs to become who we are. We are Christ. That man died, the old man. The old self-centered Dave has died and crucified with Christ. The God-centered Dave now lives. But I live by faith in Jesus who taught me and loved me and gave himself for me that I might have this new life. New spiritual relationship with God. I might have spiritual life, but this is who I am. This is who we are. We need to know who we are and we need to count on who we are. One commentator said this about that passage, quote, Paul realized that on the cross, a great exchange occurred. He gave Jesus his old, try to be right before God by the law life, and was crucified on the cross. Then Jesus gave Paul his life to live. Christ came to live in him. So Paul's life isn't his own anymore. It belongs to Jesus Christ. He is simply managing the new life that Christ gave him. I love that. I love that. So be us. So be us. I'm just managing this new life that Christ has given me. That's who I am. We sing a song, good, good father. I am loved by him. It's who I am. He's a good, good father. That's who he is. But we sing that song. We need to realize that. And why do I know this? Because the word of God tells me so. God's word tells me so time and time and time and time again. Peter didn't want to be left out of the picture. So he got into the fray too, and he tells us who we are in Christ. Peter tells us this in 2 Peter 2.9, but you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Peter declares this. Peter says, hey, these things that I'm telling you, they once were exclusively Israel's. They once were exclusively for the Jew only. The election, being chosen by God, the priesthood, the calling. Now they're no longer only the property of Israel. It's what we are now too. They are the property of every Christian. And we even have them in a greater sense because of the Holy Spirit. He says, you're a royal priesthood. Now back in the Old Testament days, the royalty and the priesthood were separated. They couldn't be one. They had to be separated. But Jesus, who is not only our king, he's also our priest, has brought them together for us. And we are a royal priesthood, he says. We're our own special people. Now, you got to love the original King James. It says we're a peculiar people. 
I don't think I'm going to go there. So anyhow, we'll move on. We belong to God. We are His. That makes us special. Have you ever really wanted to feel special? If you can't feel special about this, I don't know what you can feel special about. This makes us special. Go to a museum and you see all kinds of things. You see hats and canes and suits and chairs and stuff like that. And what makes them significant? Because they belong to someone famous, we think. But God takes ordinary folk, just like you, just like me. And he takes us to himself through Jesus Christ and he deems us special. He deems us famous. He deems us his love, the apple of his eye. We were once without these privileges. We didn't have these privileges before. We were not even a people before God. But God in his infinite and rich mercy has now given that to us. We can receive it because it comes through a cross. This is our new identity. This is who we are. Do you know that? Does it really make a calling in your life? Can you really look at that and go, yes, this is who I am. This is really and truly who I am. Oh, what a difference it'll make in your life if you can grasp that, if you can take it in and, and contemplate on it and let that seep in where it needs to seep. What a difference it'll make in your life. Jesus knew who he was. He knew it was in the heart of man, especially the Pharisees. So he departed in verse 3. He left. He wasn't going to mess with them, not at this time. But Jesus also knew where he was going. Verse 4, which is our focus verse, says, but he needed to go through Samaria. He needed to go through Samaria. And in the original King James Version, it says, he must needs to go to Samaria. And there's a reason why they use that phrase, must needs. It means it was necessary. It was necessary. And you think about that word must. You think about the word must as we went through chapter 3. You must be born again. The Son of Man must be lifted up. He must increase and I must decrease. It is necessary. It is very, very necessary. Jesus needed to go to Samaria. It was necessary for him to go there. He knew where he was going. He left Judea and he headed towards familiar ground. He went into the homeland, Galilee. And although the road through Samaria was the shortest route to Galilee, most of the Jews at that time went the long way around because they were in contempt of the Samaritans. They were half-breeds. They were the ones that were left over after the captivity because when the Babylonians came in to take captive Israel, they only took the choices of the people. Those that they didn't think fit their scheme of things, they left there. They were the has-beens, so to speak. They were the ones that didn't measure up, so they left them there. And they eventually started to intermarry, and they became this half-breed. They had the Mosaic Law, but they also had rituals and traditions and other things that they were counting on. The Jews hated them even more than they hated the Gentiles. The Jews can't stand them. So you can imagine, Jesus says, we're going to go to the Samaria. And once again, I'm sure the disciples said, what? We're going where? Oh, what are you, crazy? We're not going to go down and see those people. My God, why do we have to go through Samaria? Jesus had a divine appointment. Jesus had a divine appointment in Samaria, and he knew there was a particular woman there who was trapped in sin. Can you imagine what they were thinking? I don't, can't believe we're going down there. Now, let's be honest. 
Let's look at ourselves. Let's examine ourselves. Tell me there aren't certain neighborhoods that you won't go into. Tell me there aren't certain neighborhoods that you won't go into. There are certain neighborhoods that you avoid like the plague. You don't want to enter those neighborhoods because in your heart, you kind of look down on those people. Maybe you know they might be filled with drug addicts. They might be filled with prostitutes. You might think that you're better than they. I thought that at one time. I refused to go to the Atlantic City Rescue Mission because that was my thought. I didn't want to mix with those people. And Jesus taught me such a lesson, such a great and powerful lesson. I don't have time to go into it today. But it was a wonderful lesson that he taught me to show me that he's a God of no partiality. That everybody deserves and needs a Savior, regardless of their status, regardless of their standing in life, regardless of their anything. God showed me that. But sometimes we think that we can't go there. But Jesus knew where he was going. He knew why he was going there. He had a divine appointment at Jacob's well. He knew that there would be a certain woman coming to pour out water or to get water exactly at the same time that he got there. He knew that she was captive in a sinful lifestyle. He also knew that the woman was looking for the Messiah. He knew he could touch her with his words about her past. It was necessary for him to go through Samaria so he could meet this woman, so he could love this woman and show her the love of God. For God is a God of no partiality. Jesus knew where he was going. He knew what he had to do. Everything Jesus did pointed to one thing, the cross. Every single thing he did pointed to the cross. For the cross, it was a way of Jesus going back to the Father. And the Father was his finish line. The Father was Jesus' finish line, but he had to go to the cross to get back to the Father. We need to know where our finish line is, and we need to focus on it. Paul, writing to the beloved Philippians, in chapter 3, verse 13 and 14, says, brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead, I press toward the goal for the prize of the upper call of God in Christ Jesus. Paul knew where he was going. Paul knew where the finish line was. Paul had his eyes focused on the finish line, and he kept his eyes on the prize. The prize was Jesus Christ. The prize was seeing Jesus Christ face to face. Paul knew that his venture led through a cross. Paul knew that he had to go through a cross to get to Christ. He knew that. Now, some of you probably know where you're going. Some of you probably know where your home really is. We'll get to that in a minute. But you might be thinking, as my wife so beautifully says, I know what's the end result. I know what the end is, but it's getting from here to there. That's the problem. God knew that. God even had that figured out. He knew that we would have trouble seeing the finish line. He knew that we would have trouble remembering where we're going. And he knew we would have trouble getting there. So he sent us a helper. He sent us a helper called the Holy Spirit. He sent his spirit down to help us along. And the helper gives us instructions when we need it. He leads us into the truth. He searches all things in our heart. And he encourages us to get rid of those things that are hindering our walk with God. He sent the Holy Spirit. Now, how many of you always wanted a personal trainer? Yeah, come on. Come on. Always wanted a personal trainer. Come on. Yeah, drop it. Give me 20. No, I don't know about that. God sent one. It's called the Holy Spirit. He is our personal trainer. The Holy Spirit helps us to stay on the right path. 
The Holy Spirit helps to guide us to the finish line and keeps our focus on the finish line. He's our guide. He's our navigator. He's our pathfinder. Because sometimes the road to the finish line is marred with trouble. There are bumps, potholes, crevices, great big cracks, all kinds of things happening on the road to the finish line, and you get sidetracked. You may even fall into a great big hole and try to see out. The Holy Spirit knows the detours. He knows the detours. And even in the midst of adversity, he will guide us during the storms of our life. And when the finish line gets blurry, when we feel lonely, when we feel afraid, when we feel helpless, and when we feel like we can't go on, the Holy Spirit is there to encourage us. He's there to keep us moving forward, ever moving forward. We can trust for him to see us through. We can trust him to get us to the finish line. Yes, there may be pain along the way, but our helper is also called comforter. Our helper is our comforter. Some of the pain you go through in this life is worth it because great prize that is waiting for you at the end, at the finish line. There will come a time when we will forget all the pain. We will forget all the tough times but because we will be standing before our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and we will be looking him in his eye. What a glorious time that will be. Paul wrote about that. He wrote about that in, in um, Romans 8. In Romans 8, 18, For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which we will be revealed in us. If you know who you are, and you know where you are going, then you should know where your home really is. Let me say that again. If you know who you are, and you know where you're going, you should then know where your home really is. And if we go back to the Philippians, Paul says this to the Philippians, back again in chapter 3, in verse 20, Paul says, For our citizenship is in heaven, from which we also eagerly wait for the Savior, our Lord Jesus Christ. In other words, don't get involved with the world. Don't get too involved with the world where you can't see anything. Let every contact with the world be as light as possible. Our citizenship isn't here. Abraham and all the Old Testament saints confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims in a strange land. They were sojourners. They, they were sojourners. They were moving through, and they were looking for a city that the foundations whose maker was God. They were looking for a better city, a better place. They were looking for the eternal kingdom. They were looking for a place, and so they, they roamed the earth, earth outcast. They roamed the earth as not having a place to lay their hat. They weren't in possession of the earth. They didn't have the earth. Jesus also roamed as an outcast. He didn't have any place to put his hat. He didn't possess any things of the earth. Why? Because he wasn't interested in anything but the heavenly kingdom. I would love somebody, sometime when I'm doing something, to come and say to me, you're so heavenly minded, you're no earthly good. It would be a great thing for somebody to say. Our citizenship is in heaven. And we wait. It says from which. So wait a minute, from which, wait a minute. From which? So let me throw this out to you. Positionally, that's where we are. Read Ephesians. Seated in heavenly places with Christ Jesus. Read Ephesians. Positionally, that's where we really are. The reality is here. But positionally, we're there. And we wait for our Lord and Savior Jesus comes. And when he comes, he's going to change our bodies. And he might be fashioned into his own glorious image. 
John talked about this in 1 John 3, 2. Beloved, now we are the sons of God, but it doesn't yet appear what we're going to be. But when we know when he appears, Jesus, we're going to be like him, for we see him as he really is. Paul continues and say, I'll show you a mystery. We're not all going to sleep, but we're going to be changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye. For this corruption must put on incorruption. This mortal must put on immortality. And then we'll be brought to pass the saying, Oh, death, where is thy sting? Oh, grave, where is thy victory? 1 Corinthians 15. When Jesus comes again, we're going to experience a metamorphosis, so to speak. The robe of flesh I have will drop, and it will rise in an everlasting prize. The new body, the building of God not made with human hands, the eternal house that God has created for my spirit. Jesus said in John 14, 1 through 3, I'm going away, but if I go, I'm going to prepare a place for you, and I'll come back for you. There where I am, you can be. So this body is going to be changed. Not a bad thing. I'll receive a new body. Fashioned in this glorious image, according to the power of the Spirit that raised God from the dead. My point, just think of how much our lives would change if we thought that way. If we knew who we were in Christ and were able to walk that way, our eyes focused on the prize, our eyes focused on Christ, our eyes focused on the finish line. Just think of how we would reach this lost world for Christ. I don't want to be here if we're not going to reach the world for Christ. Because I have loved ones who aren't saved. I've got loved ones who are still struggling in a world. They're still trapped in their sin. I want them to see Christ. If I know who I am and I know where I'm going, maybe that would demonstrate Christ to them. If I truly walk that way, if I truly believe that and walk that way, Maybe they would see that and they would come in. That's my prayer. That's my prayer for all of us with the prodigals that we all have, the family members who aren't saved. That's my prayer. That they would see Christ in us. But in order to see Christ in us, we have to know who we are. We've got to know who we are. Don't worry about who you were. Don't worry about the old person, the old man, the old woman. Don't worry about them. They're dead. They're gone. They've been crucified with Christ. You're a new person. If any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. Old has passed away. All things are new. All things. Greek word all means all. All things. Take that in. Let that sink into your heart and let it change it. Let it change it and watch what God would do. Watch what God would do not only in your life, but the lives of those around you. If you want to be a lemon-sucking Christian for the rest of your life, I can do nothing about it. So be it. Your choice. Man, you want to come on in? The water's fine. Come along for the ride, man. That's great. It's a great place to be. Jesus knew who he was. And Jesus knew where he was going. Maybe if we understood just who we are and where we're going, we would act differently toward those who are saved. We might even act differently towards each other, too. Our time with you is coming to an end today on A Sure Hope. On our next edition, Pastor Dave Shank will continue this journey through the book of John. But for now, you can listen to more teachings from this series online at assurehoperadio.com. 
We encourage you to download these messages so that they are available wherever you go. You can also subscribe to our podcast on iTunes. Just search for A Sure Hope and see the latest editions as soon as they're posted. If you're enjoying these teachings and would like to get more involved with the church behind this ministry, we'd love to meet you at Calvary Chapel Cape May for a time of worship and Bible study. We meet weekly on Sundays at 10 a.m. Give us a call for more information. Our number is 609-884-5821. Again, that's 609-884-5821. Otherwise, you can visit Assure Hope Radio for times and directions. If you're not able to join us in person, we're streaming our services on Facebook Live. Just look for the link on our website at assurehoperadio.com. Thanks for listening to today's message in the book of John. We pray you continue to be blessed as you study the Word and that you discover how God's doing great things in your life. We look forward to you joining us again as Pastor Dave has more to share from this book that entails where Jesus walked and the amazing wonders he performed while here on earth. He's still doing wonders today too. Come hear about that next time on Assure Hope.